They said it had to be Matilda. They wouldn't let her use Tilly. Nobody ever calls me Matilda, she said, but it made no difference. It must be your official name, the woman with the shiny forehead in the passport office told her. Otherwise you run into all sorts of trouble. What kind of trouble? Tilly asked. What was so bad about wanting to use the name everyone knew her by? But the woman just shrugged and went on fanning herself with one of her leaflets. Red tape, she said eventually when Tilly didn't go away, which made it no clearer. So Matilda Walker was what they put in her very first passport, beneath the small photo of a rather bewildered-looking Tilly. Just as well her date of birth was there too. Nobody would have believed she was seventeen in that photo. Just be natural, Leanne had said, and don't smile. You're not allowed to smile, which suited Tilly fine. She couldn't remember when she'd last felt like smiling. Don't scowl like that either, Leanne had added. You look like a terrorist. And while Tilly was doing her best to appear serene and composed and not at all threatening, the camera flashed and there she was, thirteen going on fourteen, not nearly old enough to be travelling to Brisbane on her own, let alone Ireland. That's quite a trek, Leanne had said when Tilly told her. You'll be going literally halfway around the world. Leanne had got her first passport when she was a few months old. She flew to China with her parents every January to visit the relatives who hadn't immigrated to Australia with her grandparents in the 1950s. Like Tilly, Leanne had been born in Australia, but they could hardly have looked more different. Tilly was five foot eight inches tall, in her stockinged feet. Leanne barely made it to five foot. Tilly's skin was pale as blancmange, and sprinkled with small butterscotch-coloured freckles. Leanne's was more clotted cream with the hint of hazelnut, and not one single freckle. Just a solitary dark mole a finger's width from the left side of her mouth. Tilly's hair, the precise biscuity shade of Ma's shopping basket, waved and kinked its way down to the middle of her back, resisting every attempt to straighten it. Leanne's glossy shoulder-length bob was the rich brown-black of a coffee bean and impeccably behaved. But it was the eyes that really set them apart. Tilly's were the bluish-green of an acacia leaf, slightly pink-rimmed along their almost horizontal lower edges and fringed all around with pale lashes. Leanne's were bitter chocolate lozenges, set in dark-lashed creamy ovals, whose outer corners tilted deliciously upwards. Leanne was exotic. Tilly was homespun. You're more exotic than me, Leanne insisted. Ireland is much further away than China. But Tilly wasn't talking distances, and even if she was, she didn't feel remotely Irish. Up to six months ago, all she'd known about Ireland was that it was famous for Guinness. She knew a lot of people with Irish connections. She had classmates whose parents had both been born there, but the country hadn't held any particular interest for her. Why would it? Until she'd discovered her own connection with it. Since June, she'd been finding out more, like the fact that it was the third largest island in Europe, 
and it had a tomb that was older than the pyramids and the longest river in the British Isles, and that its currency was the euro, and that some parts of it, the Cliffs of Moher, the Giant's Causeway, the Killarney Lakes, were considered pretty spectacular. She also knew that it was going to take her roughly 33 hours to get to Ireland from Brisbane, via Singapore and London. Well over a day and a half for her total journey, if you added in the three-hour bus trip from home to Brisbane Airport, and however long it took, a couple of hours at least, she reckoned, to get from Kerry Airport, her final touchdown, to the island of Roon, which was Ireland's most westerly point. According to Google Maps, Rune had the wonky diamond shape of a stingray and was all of seven miles long and four miles wide. Hard to get your head around a whole island being that small when you lived on a landmass that covered well over three million square miles. Hard to imagine a place so tiny when Pa's 15,000-acre farm wasn't considered particularly big by Australian standards. And yet Rune had a year-round population of approximately 300, if the internet was to be believed. She tried to imagine a whole community of people living in that minuscule place on the very edge of Europe, surrounded by the sea, locked in on all sides by water. 